0: This is Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffitt. I'm Jan Moffitt. And this week we watched and we'll be talking about the 2014 movie Song of the Sea. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about who made this movie, Jan?
1: This movie is made by a company called Cartoon Saloon by a director named Tom Moore. It's, uh, Stars among others, uh, Brandon Gleason. F- I can't pronounce all these Irish names. I'm really feeling good. They're about mostly that. David Raul, Finola yeah. Flanagan, Lisa Hannigan. It's uh, an Irish movie. Yes, and it's much. Uh, there are two movies that Cartoon Saloon has put out so far. One of them is this, and the other is uh, the Secret of Kells.
0: Before we even get into a synopsis of this movie, I want to. Talk about Cartoon Saloon just for a second and say two things. First, it's gotta be the worst <laughs> name. That's a terrible name. I know. I'm sorry, you guys. You're a great company and you do great things, but Cartoon Saloon. This
1: does not describe at all oh. what they do. Because I mean, they do make cartoons, strictly speaking. But Saloon, when it's Irish, doesn't make sense to me because you don't. Saloons is like Old West, and like.
0: It makes it sound so oh, flippantly... So
1: flippant and like, like uh, what's the word? Like it's going to be like Betty Boop or something. Yeah, but When, it, when totally. it is so far from that.
0: And so the other thing I want to say about Cartoon Saloon after insulting their name <laughs> is I always think of Cartoon Saloon as like the Irish Studio Ghibli. Mm-hmm. They are the same kind of like, they've only made two movies so far. There's a third one... In the works.
1: Coming out very soon. Coming out
0: very soon. But the two movies they've made so far are both amazing. mm mm-hmm. In a Studio Ghibli, like... they
1: the, the animation is beyond compare. Yeah. It's uh well-drawn. It's like, I mean, you can see why they, they've only made two and it takes them a long time to make them because the animation is...
0: They're hand-drawn yeah. and they're like watercolor mm-hmm. backgrounds... Song of the Sea, I mean, Secret of Kells, very much the art looks like the Book of Kells. I hope we will talk about Secret of Kells one day. Mm -hmm. Song of the Sea, their second one that we're talking about today. The background is all watercolor paintings of the sky and the sea. and it's so beautiful. We'll get into it in just a second. But I just want to say, if you are unfamiliar with Cartoon Saloon, uh, run, don't walk.
1: Yeah, stop the podcast right now and go watch both. Secret of Kells, and Song of the Sea. And if it's out yet, watch Breadwinner, because I'm sure that's going to be amazing, and I cannot wait to see it.
0: In a, like, I want to, you know, we've expressed our appreciation for uh, Pixar in the past, but I compare... Pixar
1: is story and is good animation. Cartoon Saloon is animation that is beyond what anyone else is doing, yeah. or whatever, anything else I've seen, for sure.
0: And I always want to compare it to, we we're, we're keep going on and on, I always want to compare it to Studio Ghibli for the, like, you can instantly in a second, recognize the studio that is making yes. this, and you can instantly guarantee that it's going to be quality. Mm-hmm. And even this movie, we'll talk about it more, but there are aspects, I think of Song of the Sea as uh, the Totoro of um, Cartoon Saloon mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, Yeah, I can see a lot of similarities, similarities And there's also, I mean, Song of the Sea Especially for A North American viewer We're, we're Canadian, for Canadian mm-hmm. Viewers, Song of the Sea really uh, Is built On Irish mythology and even Secret of Kells, a lot of Irish mythology That we're not necessarily familiar with I would guess mm-hmm. I'm probably more familiar With either Irish mythology than the average Canadian, Yeah, and yet you know, I, uh, and yep, in the same way exactly. that Studio Ghibli is all this Japanese mythology, mm-hmm. the, Jap- the Japanese folktales in Studio Ghibli are less familiar, even.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But even s- Cartoon Saloon, it's, you get this sense of it's built on this rich mythology that I am feel privileged to get a glimpse of.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. So anyway, having gushed about the mm-hmm. studio in general, let's talk about this movie specifically. specifically yes. So, I'm going to assume that Song of the Sea is less familiar than most of the movies that we've talked about, so I'm going to give a bit of a fuller uh, synopsis than I usually do. Um, Although, in terms of plot, it's fairly straightforward. So, ten-year-old Irish boy named Ben lives on a lighthouse with his father and his sister, six-year-old Circe, who does not speak. Their grandmother comes to visit them, decides that the children are unsafe on the lighthouse, and takes Ben and Saoirse away from the lighthouse and their father to live in the city. They are separated from their father and also the faithful dog, Koo. Ben decides to go back to find Koo. Circe follows him on the way back to find Koo, and on the way... On their journey back, they encounter fairies. They discover that the stories that their mother told about fairies have all been true. Mm -hmm. And they learn that Saoirse is a Selkie, which is a fairy creature who can turn from a seal into a human. Mm -hmm. And eventually they learn that the mother also was a Selkie. And eventually we learn that she apparently died giving birth to Saoirse, but in fact return to the sea as a seal. And throughout the story, there's all these connections between the mythological stories and the family. In the end, they make it back home. They get Saoirse's coat, and she can sing her song. And having sung her song, she frees all the fairies, and they return to fairyland.
1: And Saoirse... Releases her coat. Her mother leaves forever, but she gets to stay.
0: And become fully human. She can no longer transform into a seal.
1: Yes. So we talked,
0: and that, that's basically the story.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, we talked a second ago when we were talking about uh, Cartoons Loon in general, about the animation. I want to return to that and just talk for a second about this specific movie specifically.
1: In our other podcast, Legion, I often talk about the, there's circles everywhere. And in this movie, there's really circles everywhere. It has like, of course, this Celtic, uh, this Celtic symbology in it. And all of these, uh, it's hard to describe in words. All of these abstract so swirls, swirls yeah, right? Swirl, so the
0: abstract swirling patterns.
1: Yeah. These, these, and the dots and the things that you would see in etched into stone in Celtic mythology, in, Celtic, in the Celtic world, in Celtic jewelry, in Celtic art. And they just incorporate that right into the background of the movie, into the animation. And, right, and it just, and it feels like you're looking at a kaleidoscope.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's
1: really what I was thinking. Watching this movie, I was like, this is like they've taken a regular movie and pushed it through a kaleidoscope. And you often see these like, there's like a shot where you'll see four owls together and they'll be in a perfect mirror of each other in this like kaleidoscope circle. And you'll see trees like that. And again and again, and it's just so, the art is so perfect and so well drawn. And then on top of that, the story is beautiful as well. And the music is beautiful and everything about this movie is so a delight to all of your senses.
0: Not so much smell.
1: <laughs> the pizza smelled good that as I was eating it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> no. You're right, not smell, not touch. But, you know, a lot of senses. <laughs> at <laughs> least seven, three of them. At least three of them were delighted <laughs> by this movie.
0: Totally. I mean, the I, when you were talking about circles, like, even all the... The two kids who are the main characters, their eyes are perfect circles, Mm. their heads are perfect circles. Then they are sitting on a, for example, boat that's a perfect circle, in a cave that's a perfect circle, in like circle in a circle in a circle, and there's Mm -hmm. both the background and the foreground and the character elements, and it's a lot of circles and a lot of incorporating the abstract patterns of Irish art even into the foreground character design. Yeah. And then I was going to talk about the, what they do with perspective in this movie, hmm. which is basically that they don't bother with it. <laughs> you know, like they don't foresha they don't foreshorten the background to show that it's moving into the back, further background. Mm-hmm. They just do a right angle. And so you know, there's a one shot where there's a garbage can, and you see there's the rectangle. You're seeing it straight on, and there's the rectangle that is the cylinder of the garbage can, and then mm-hmm. there's just a circle that's the lid that's straight up, and it's not mm-hmm. the physics of it. Like it's not the geography of the world. No, it's not it's,
1: realism at all.
0: They're not aiming at realism whatsoever. No. And it is fantastic and beautiful. I mean, it's uh, Picasso and seeing things from different perspectives all at once. And it Mm -hmm. serves, I mean, partly it's just gorgeous, but it also serves, I think the themes and the story and Mm -hmm. there's an, all a, through this story is about seeing things from different perspectives and understanding different perspectives.
1: And the circles, and even sometimes a figure eight symbol is this, of course, this eternal symbol with no beginning and no end. And we get that sense with the fairies and with the sel- selkies that they have no beginning and no end. They're these eternal creatures, this eternal mythology that exists in this movie. And there's, yeah, these background things reflect that. And you even have... The little boy Ben, as they're traveling from their island, from their beloved island, into the city with their grandma, granny. Yeah, they. Uh, he's drawing a map out of crayon, and but these little dots that he's making along the road as they travel are just these perfect little, you know, Celtic dots along art, Celtic art with dots along a line that look just like an illuminated little, manuscript. Exactly these. Yeah, yeah, it's just gorgeous. And, but also it looks childlike, but it also reflects the art of the, the whole movie.
0: Yeah. And then on top of all of that, there's just the fact that the backgrounds, as I said earlier, are watercolor paintings mm-hmm. or look have the look of it. The the whole movie is hand drawn, yes. hand animated. Yeah, absolutely. And the backgrounds are paintings, and they're gorgeous. Mm-hmm. The colors are gorgeous throughout. Is it gorgeous, Paul? It's gorgeous. <laughs> I really like it. I was before we started recording. I was saying that like I feel like on way too seriously. A number of times we have said like, oh, this shot or this moment was really beautiful because we tend to like to watch movies that are beautiful. Apparently, mm-hmm. but we,
1: no- we like to notice the animation. We do. in general,
0: but. Nothing that we have watched uh, has compared in terms of beauty Mm -hmm. to Song of the Sea. It is the most beautiful animated movie we have watched on Way Too Seriously. Mm -hmm. Possibly the most beautiful animated movie I have ever seen.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It definitely... I mean, you mentioned Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli before, and it definitely compares to that in, like, it's innovative Mm -hmm. and... Miyazaki was doing this in the eighties and the seven seventies. I don't know, but a long time ago. And you can see that influence even going from there to there. I can tra- you can almost trace the line between Miyazaki and these uh, Japanese influence on people like, uh, is it Tom Moore's? Yeah. Created this. Yeah. He, and the animators, there must, there's obviously more than one. It from uh, cartoon saloon, uh, who are taking their own be- taking the beauty of their culture and translating it to to the screen, and I don't know, it just feels like animation when it's hand drawn yeah. can be so beautiful. I mean, like there can be do beautiful things with computer animation, but hand drawn is so beautiful hand drawn and- can have just amazing touches to it.
0: And no shade on Pixar who make beautiful movies themselves. Yeah, that's but, right. No. You know, <laughs> compare it, it's apples to oranges in some ways. Yeah. But you can't, like, the most beautiful, in terms of just uh, the pure aesthetic experience, what you are seeing, mm-hmm. the most beautiful thing Pixar has ever made doesn't hold a candle to this movie.
1: Absolutely. So this is a bit of an unusual episode of Way Too Seriously, because often we talk about what we liked about the movie, and then what we take too seriously. But I feel like with this one, we're a little bit more into art and literary analysis a bit more.
0: Yeah, the the too seriously of this episode, I think, is going to be more uh, literary analysis and less political analysis. Yes, exactly. Or socio-political. So
1: should I talk about the, about the socio-political things right off the bat and then get into the literary analysis? Yeah. Because there's a couple of things that um, we always talk about the Bechdel test and this movie doesn't pass it. There's...
0: Doesn't even sneeze at it. Doesn't
1: even sneeze at it. But there's... The characters are the brother and sister. And so... And the sister doesn't speak for the vast majority of the movie. Actually, maybe the mother and daughter talk to each other at the end. So maybe it does pass. Because the mother and daughter talk to each other. They talk... Actually,
0: you're right. They talk to each other about whether the daughter wants to stay.
1: Yep. So there you go. It does pass.
0: And they all have names. They're just Irish names that are very hard to remember and pronounce yep. for
1: it really stupid
0: is. Ang- Anglos.
1: Yep, exactly. <laughs> and the other one is, uh, how come the daughter gets to be a Selkie and the son doesn't? These These, these two kids have the same parents, but for some reason... The son is the father's son and the daughter is the mother's daughter. And it just, it struck me as odd. I mean, it struck me as something that happens a lot in fiction, but like, it means that women are these magical creatures. And I don't love what that says. I feel like that saying that only women can be magical. They're very, it paints them as the other and they don't have, uh. They're not human in the same way. Yeah. And so when they have a son, he, of course, is human. When they have a daughter, she is not human. And in the end, it turns out she's half human, so she can decide to be human. But the son doesn't even get that choice. And I just, I have a little side eye at that.
0: Yeah, me too. And as I was watching it, I was thinking exactly that. Um, That more than human is less than human, right? Mm -hmm. Because she's human and then some is just another way of saying she's not exactly human the way a regular normal person is because she's a she. And the mythology of Selkies, there are male and female Selkies. So this is not something, even if it was, it wouldn't be an excuse, but uh, this is not something from the mythology that they're bringing in. Selkies are always female. Uh, Selkies can be male male or female. In this movie, they've decided the Selkies are all female. And much as i praised in high terms cartoon saloon their previous movie also features a the only female character is a mystical fairy girl that's true and that ca- does cast a bit of a perspective on this that in a cartoon saloon movie the regular kid you relate to is the boy and the magical fairies are the f- women folk mm-hmm. um
1: now their next movie takes place in Afghanistan, it is and it's about a girl in Afghanistan. So we'll see what happens in that one.
0: We will see. I am, you know, sign me up. I'm yep. in for it. Mm-hmm. But I had that same thought. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Do you have anything else on the more politically side? I mean,
0: there's the not really. I would I would note some things about the there's some gesturing towards the mythology. I mean, there's lots of mythology, Mm -hmm. but uh, the Tuatha de Danon, the fairies in Irish mythology, are often interpreted as a colonialism metaphor. Mm. That they're the original people of Ireland, and the Celts come over the sea into Ireland and wipe out the original people and then tell stories about them being fairies. Right. So, this movie, you know far from engaging in that in any kind of substantive mm-hmm. way. But when you have stories about the Irish fairy folk, a standard interpretation of that is this is a story about colonialism and mm-hmm. about, you know, they, we wiped them out and isn't that great. And yeah. even in this movie, uh, a lot of the tension of the plot revolves around the fairy folk and whether they should exist and whether they're going to be safe. And But at the end of the movie, they all leave Because the island now belongs to the humans, in other words. The island now belongs to the Celts, in other words. The world now belongs to the colonizers. Mm. And, you know...
1: There's no role for the original inhabitants.
0: And pick your level, right? Like, this Mm -hmm. movie has them, the Irish, and one could say, well, they're Irish, not English, so it's not the colonizers. But just because the Irish are then colonized again doesn't mean that Celts weren't themselves colonizers of the the original uh, at the original inhabitants of Ireland. And when you have a story about how the fairy folk fade away, you have a story that in its subtext is talking about how colonized people go away so the colonizers can take over their land and live happily there. Hmm. But I'm doing some pretty deep pull That's, to he- hear that. You're in almost this.
1: taking it way too seriously. You might
0: say that. Um, and there's also... I mean, we could talk about, as we often do, um, and I don't want to give the impression that it's not important, Uh, it's just there isn't a lot to say about issues that just don't even get brought up, right? Mm -hmm. Like, in many ways, race and sexuality don't get brought up at all, Mm -hmm. that doesn't, everyone in this movie is white, Uh, that doesn't mean that we don't notice or care when everyone in a movie is white, it just means there's not a lot to say that we haven't already said, so... You know, we're just going to notice. Yeah, absolutely. All the romantic relationships are straight, and all the. There's, I mean, only, one there's only one romantic relationship. But the one romantic relationship is straight, and yeah. all the characters are white, and what. You know, not more to say about that than ha- we've already said.
1: Yeah. There is. Um, if you consider Shirsa's. Shirsa? Shirsa? If you consider Searsha's, uh non speaking as a disability.
0: Which you can, But you I can.
1: Think. This movie both has a good representation of disability and a negative. She's cured in the end. Yeah, but it's also. I really like that the father is. She'll talk in her own time. He is yeah. very. And then you also get the grandmother being like, "I'll give you some tea, and you'll you'll talk."
0: No, seership. Try some of my nettle tea and gooseberry bones there. Very good for the voice. They might kill you.
1: And she's very uh, passive-aggressive about it, but that's uh, realistic. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like that they included that, that like, you have these two perspectives on her disability of like, the father is very much like, this is my daughter, I love her anyway, and I know that she'll talk eventually, and if she doesn't, that's fine. And the She's just your stereotypical parent that can't, grandparent that can't accept the grandchild's disability. And that's something that I know of from real life as well. And it's, and it's, so it's, you know, it's a realistic portrayal and I like that. Yeah. Let's talk a
0: bit about the grandmother in, Mm -hmm. in more depth, because
1: do you want to talk about the fact that she's the owl and the grandmother yes. or whatever? Yeah. There's a thing,
0: like throughout the movie, the It
1: kinda of pulls a wizard of Oz.
0: It kinda of pulls a Wizard of Oz, where the characters from the real world world are also characters from the fantasy world, especially three of them. The father is the giant. Mm-hmm. Uh you no, know the island I should see <laughs> It's called Maclear. It's called that because it's not an island at all. It's a huge giant. Maka's elves took all the giant's feelings and turned him to stone. And do you know the worst of it? She was his mother. The grandmother is the owl
1: witch. Mecca. Mecca. Did you ever hear of Maka, the owl witch? Well, she's evil. You no. Know, the...
0: And... The fairy <laughs> yeah. man.
1: The man who drives the ferry. The boat man. The boat Is, man, boat
0: is the... The great fairy man. <laughs> oh, that was really and cute. And it's very funny that she calls him, you're off with that fairy man. Yeah. Like, yeah, he is a fairy man. So those three characters are both real world people and then have mythological counterparts. Mm-hmm. And the counterpart of the grandmother is introduced in a story as evil. Mhm. And the grandmother herself when she first appears evil is too strong, but she's judgmental and she's uh you know, snide and she exercise she
1: she basically comes in with a thunderclap too. Like she arrives and it's like boom boom boom, here she is.
0: Yeah, and the, she's your evil grandma. Ben says <laughs>
1: Granny. She's going to
0: try and make us move through the city again, isn't she? I don't know how you can live in this awful place. And she exhibits the stereotypical uh, grandmother... Perspective of children should be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. She puts the birthday girl Sieria in a, her birthday dress and then yes. says, "Sit here and don't move."
1: <laughs> I have um, that part a lot.
0: So she is fairly evil, mm-hmm. in, especially from a child's perspective. But yes. even from an adult perspective, right? She's the the meddling grandmother who her- she comes to
1: take them away from their father, who is in, who is grieving. She denies the father his grief. It's only been it It's been six years since his wife died and she's like basically get over it and Don't like, think about don't it. think about it. And like, come on. That's not And
0: acceptable. then she, you know, again denies if we want to read the girl's muteness as a disability. Mm-hmm. She's like, I can just cure you, you're not you know, by drinking nettle tea. She, she... tells
1: the son, the boy Ben I don't want any tears in the car over him not getting to take his dog with him. Like no, no
0: tears in the car and no tears in my house. Yeah. And she her repeated her mantra is I know what's best.
1: Mm-hmm. But she also has a soft side, and you know, like she wakes up the minute the kids are missing. Yeah. She fa- she knows that Shirsa has uh dived into the ocean and she she she's she also has a lot of sympathetic qualities.
0: Right. And the scene where she wakes up in the night and comes out and sirsha is lying on the beach, we have seen that sirsha has put on a selkie coat and f- swum as a seal in an absolutely beautiful sequence <laughs> uh, and come back out on the beach, but watching it. I put myself in the grandmother's shoes and think about my own children. And if I came out in the night and found my child sleeping on the edge of the ocean, hell yes, I would take her away from that ocean.
1: Yep, yep. Exactly. Right? Yeah, I would lose my... <laughs> Wait, we don't swear in this. No, we don't. I <laughs> will bleep that out. <laughs> I
0: will. I, will I'll I'll lo- ble-
1: I would lose my stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and she... Both the grandmother and the... Is it Mecca? Mecca, yeah, Mecca. Mecca,
1: not not Mecca. Mecca,
0: not like a not robot mecca. warrior. Mecca, the story with her is why she's evil is that she turned her own son into stone and stole his feelings because she's an mm-hmm. evil witch. And the when you hear see more depth into her, what she did was take away his grief because she couldn't bear to see her son in such pain. Mm -hmm. And when you take away his feelings, you turn him into stone. This by the way, is a loose connecting of different uh, myths in Irish mythology. There Mm -hmm. isn't an Irish myth that connects these stories with each other, but just like her, the real granny what we see from her is don't grieve don't cry mm-hmm. and we read that as she herself is heartless and cruel and doesn't want doesn't care about these people that she pretends to care about but eventually we see it from a different perspective that she is herself emotionally you know t- compromised yep. and lets her emotional lets her emotions get away with her that she can't bear to see their sadness and so tries to blot it out Mm -hmm. and the father has turned to stone because he isn't allowed to grieve doesn't allow himself and his mother doesn't allow him to grieve for his wife
1: yeah absolutely
0: and all of this and by the end of the movie both the owl witch and the grandmother are sympathetic characters, and the owl witch helps them and yeah. gives them the tools to, you know, solve the problem and give her, give Sersha her coat and sing the song. Her, her
1: hair comes out and does the crazy flowy thing, which, yeah. which is another connection to Miyazaki, where like their hair emotes.
0: <laughs> totally. And frankly, like I said, that this is the Totoro of, Miyaz- of uh Cartoon Saloon, because it's about two kids who just go on a walk throughout the world and Mm -hmm. see some weird stuff. Yep. But in a lot of ways, the grandmother, the owl witch grandmother, is like uh, Baba Yaga
1: in Spirited Away. away. Yeah.
0: And she's even like a bird. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of similarity there. Mm.
1: The Crone is a figure that is in so many different mythologies. So many different... She's an archetype that's in so many different things.
0: Yeah. So I'm not saying... When I say it reminds me of Baba Yaga from Spirited Away, I'm not accusing Tom Moore of ripping off that movie. Oh, no. I'm saying that they're both drawing on a rich mythological tradition Mm -hmm. and it ends up hitting a lot of... familiar notes yeah absolutely and then we have you know the end scene where the grandmother has softened emotionally Mm -hmm. and is willing to be to enjoy the presence of her family instead of trying to turn them into what she wants them to be because this movie one of the major things this movie is about is hey it's okay to feel your feelings
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and just because a feeling may be negative it shouldn't be hidden away yeah. You shouldn't put your negative emotions down to a jar and never let them out. You need to feel all of your feelings, the full range of human emotion.
0: And this, remind, I mean, it reminded me of Inside Out, which was the last movie mm-hmm. that we talked about. Uh, it was not the last movie that we talked about. It reminded me of Inside Out, which was the last movie I edited. I just came <laughs> from editing Inside Out, which we talked about a long time ago, yeah. to record this episode. It's also about why sadness is important Mm -hmm. for your emotional health. And the witch, like what she does, is not just take emotions from other people out of good intentions. She wants to help them by taking away their bad feelings. She takes her own feelings and puts them in a jar and is turning herself into stone. And the cure for her, what turns her from evil into good, is freeing her emotions, Mm -hmm. not everyone else's. And when she gets all her emotions back... She gains perspective and sees that what she has been doing wasn't helping. Yeah, absolutely. The solution is for the grandmother to feel things more, to yeah. allow herself to feel things more. Absolutely. We Talked about the gra- the grandmother and the father.
1: And there's the fairy man.
0: Do you want to talk about the fairy man?
1: Well, I mean... As his real world counterpart is barely in the movie, he's just like the guy who drives the ferry.
0: In fact, the first time I watched the movie, I missed that he was also a real world person.
1: Absolutely. And then uh, Ben dives down this well and finds this man who is all hair. And he's clearly like a mythological creature. He's like a fairy. He's one of the fairy folk. And he... Every strand of his hair tells a story. He's the keeper. He's some kind of keeper of the stories. Yeah, he is. I
0: assume I didn't look him up. I assume that he is a mythological figure yeah, who exists sure like pretty much exactly as he yeah. exists, except for his connection to this particular story. Mm-hmm. But he's not a mythological figure I was familiar with at no, all.
1: No, me neither. I lo- and he basically holds the exposition exposition baton. He exposits what where. Uh, what a selkie is. What, uh, where to find her. What's going on? Sort the, his, of. the history of. I mean, he's he's also the connection between the the boy and Ben and his mother's stories, and kind of confirming to him that these stories are true. Yeah, since he is the key, he has all these strands of hair that are stories, and Ben has this book of stories from his mother.
0: See, I'm very curious. In plot terms, you would have a simpler movie if you just cut him out, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're on the run, they get exposition, they find out that she's a Selkie from these three fairies that meet them and dressed up as Halloween trick-or-treating children
1: mm-hmm. and kind
0: of kidnap her and get turned to stone. And then what happens in the plot is they escape from the uh, Macas. Owls run away through the rain, find a holy well, which we could maybe put a paper clip on that and come back to it if we decide to. They find a holy well, uh, dive down into it, and when they get to the bottom, Sirsha is gone, and Ben has to find the guy with all the hair whose name I can't remember, and hear the story. That's and
1: before it, she's they go to the owls because it's after he's she's kid he's she's the one who kidnaps her.
0: We don't, but I'm saying, he, Ben doesn't know that she's been kidnapped. They dive down and she disappears. In Mm -hmm. plot terms, it would be simpler. If she she was just kidnapped with the three fairy guys and he followed the owls and found, like, Mm -hmm. in plot terms, all the guy with the hair does is tell Ben how to, tell Ben that his sister has been kidnapped by Maka. And if his sister had been kidnapped a scene ago, we would have known that anyway. So... But, but what he I'm he tells
1: her to break the things, though, doesn't he? No. With the song? No. Mm, I mean, he tells him not to lose hope.
0: He tells him not to lose hope. I'm you're wanting to.
1: I want to be defensive. Expla- but, defensive, but maybe. The, but, but what it doesn't I'm matter. saying
0: is, what I'm driving at here is that I don't think he adds much to the plot. So why is he there? I think he is there for reasons that are not plot. Hmm. I think he is there. Not because he's connecting us from one plot point to another, but for some other reason. And I would like us to talk about...
1: What is the other reason? What
0: is the other reason? Because I have thoughts, but I'm not sure. Partly, possibly, he's just a cool idea that they wanted to include. But let's give a little more credit than that and say that he's there for some more important reason. His big thing is that he has no memory.
1: Right, yeah.
0: Except in his hair. Mm -hmm. He carries all the memories of all the fairies, and his hairs are only growing for the fairies that are still alive. So most of his hairs aren't growing, but Saoirse's hair is growing. And when he finds it, he can tell Ben the story of Saoirse. It's how Ben finds out that his mother was herself a Selkie. Mm -hmm. Though that is part of the justification of him being in this movie. I think it would be easy for Ben to find that out otherwise. Yeah. What is going, like, why, why is that an important?
1: I think he's adds to the continued mythology of the movie. Like without him, the, you only have the fairies and Maca, And so you just need to have a fuller world to introduce these characters. And I'm thinking of like, a movie like Moana, where like you have the Kakamora and you have the crab and you have like Tamatoa, you have like the just various characters just add to the richness of a movie. That's and this, that's what this character adds is more of these kind of uh, these fairy folk creatures, these Celtic myth- creatures from Celtic mythology, I assume. See, I would say
0: that you could drop the Kakamora from Moana and it'd be a better movie. The <laughs> I you you connecting it to Moana, I almost, when I was doing my recap, and I'm going to include it now, was like, well, the story of uh, Saoirse, see now, she's been standing on the edge of the water <laughs> long as she can remember, <laughs> never really knowing why. <laughs> she keeps staring at the water and trying to walk into it, but yes. I'm like, yep.
1: The water is her friend, She turns yeah. out. Wow, yeah, this is totally like <laughs> Irish Moana.
0: Yeah. Wow. It is. In some ways yeah i mean also that the magic is gone and they have to find magic yeah absolutely yeah i think there's something about like the main idea of maca is about emotion and why emotions are necessary for under for living a full and happy life and i think Hmm. that the hair guy uh is saying the same thing about memory and story hmm He's there to say that it's not just that there need to be more fairy folk. It's that stories are where memory lives. There is no memory without stories. And so mm. his hairs are stories. And they are the stories of the mythology. But they're also the stories of Ben's personal history. They're the point which connects these real world people with their mythological counterparts is in his hair. Hmm. And I wonder the man, his real world counterpart is barely in the movie. I wonder if there's a longer cut where he's a storyteller.
1: Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So he has m- a line early on in the movie where he, he says something negative about the granny. He
0: calls her an old witch.
1: He calls her an old witch. The yeah, old witch. witch. The old witch. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But he shows up when he first, appear, <laughs> when he first appears in the movie, the real world fairy man wearing, a so mm-hmm. um, he talks to the granny and he's like, oh, you're here for Searsha's birthday. She's turning six, is she? And, he, and the granny rolls up her window <laughs> in his face. Um, oh, you old witch. Yeah. That's our hint, right? He's on the ferry and he wants to tell the granny stories about her grandchildren. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to talk to her and not just chit-chat, but tell her the history and the story mm. that she already yeah. knows. But because storytelling is where memory resides. Mm.
1: I like that a lot. And I
0: think, I suspect that there's a draft of this uh, script where there's a little more of that. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're really missing it because it's a no. full movie. Yeah, But... I suspect that that's where... I think
1: you may be right.
0: He's there. Yeah. And I, that's why I think he's important in the movie.
1: Mm-hmm. This movie is just an intricate knot. It like is. a Celtic knot of of story that I really enjoy. And my kids watched it and cried because yeah. the mother died. Yeah. And then they were happy that she was alive and then sad that she was gone again and then they after after we watched the movie they both found sweaters that were like their selkie coats and played selkies and tried to not talk like yeah little girl. you can tell and, a movie is
0: good when our kids immediately immediately start playing it
1: yeah like, like the, the second the... it was over they yeah. started playing it and that's a good sign that this is not only like I mean, you and I have seen this movie before. We've watched Secret of Kells like a thousand times because we love the art so much. But it also works on the level of our kids just watched it as a movie and loved and it too, loved it. and loved the story and loved it as a. Yeah.
0: Now, you said a second ago that our kids played it and they tried not to talk. You're laughing because they tried not to talk and failed because yeah, our kids love yes, to certainly. talk. But what I'm thinking is, Sersha doesn't talk until she gets her coat. Mm hmm. I'm not super familiar. I was familiar with Selkies, but I'm not, you know, super familiar. I did some quick Googling. I'm not aware of the not talking as a thing in Selkie mythology. Mm -hmm. So what is that doing here?
1: She's a child. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that makes a difference, that the mother can talk because she's an adult. Maybe a, a seal child can't talk. I don't know why that is important. <laughs> okay. you're, you're giving me a look I'm like I'm you a crazy. Look, I'm giving you a very
0: <laughs> uh, skeptical look because I guess kids, there's a lot of things grown-ups can do that kids can't.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's also, I don't know. It makes her other, it makes her different. Yeah,
0: She's already She's different. already a
1: bit off.
0: Yeah. And big part, I mean, in the big part of the plot is that she needs her coat so she can sing until she has her coat, she doesn't have her voice. Mm-hmm. So it adds some external motivation for why they need to get the coat. It's partly to keep her safe, but it's also...
1: Her father...
0: Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Her Go.
1: father locked her coat away. Yeah. And then the one time she found finally found it again, he threw it into the ocean away from her. Right. Her father. Her father has repressed his grief so much and held it in and this child who is a product of this grief is there and he has taken away her voice because of his deep grief over the loss of his wife because when that happens when a woman dies in childbirth you gain and you gain the child you still lose so much and i think that he lost so much that he had to take away his child's voice in a way
0: And that, like, we see if we didn't already put the pieces together, they really make it clear that it's her birthday. And then as soon as the kids are in bed, he goes off to the pub and the grandmother says, you'd you'd be better if you didn't think about that night. And he says, it's only the anniversary once a year. Mm -hmm. Uh, The kids are in bed. I'm just heading over to the mainland for one with Dan. You're better off not thinking about that night, you know. Her anniversary is just once a year, Mum. that his child's birthday he celebrates with her but it's also
1: his wife's his death wife's death, death anniversary yeah.
0: I like what you're saying a lot I like a lot that he like symbolically locks her and almost literally locks her voice away from her and then throws it into the sea Can you keep going because I don't I can't of clarify that more why does he need to take her voice away because he's grieving i think you're on to something but i I can't finish your thought
1: i think that he's not doing it on purpose obviously Mm -hmm. his a daughter's voice will sound like her her mother eventually yeah so to lock her voice away is to take away that that sound of her voice that might uh, sound of the mother's voice that might reappear
0: Mm mm-hmm is there to lock
1: away her agency, so she can't, yeah. so she can't do what the mother did. She can't die the way the mother died. Right. He wants her not to be uh, selkie, even though he knows on some level she is. It's he
0: about, knows. It's about a father being. I mean, to push the metaphor away. Mm-hmm. It's about a father being overprotective, to the harm of his daughter.
1: Yes, exactly. Because
0: he is. Uh, grieving mm-hmm. the death of his wife or whatever. Yeah. But it's about how his protectiveness of her robs her of her it's, voice. And it's her as
1: if the mother died in a car crash and she and the daughter was never allowed to drive in a car again. Yeah. And that would take away her agency and take away a part of her, which is the, the I, voice in this.
0: I like it. I like it a lot. So I was going to say, because it's the Little Mermaid. <laughs> 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 a much stupider reason that
1: there is a witch. There's a witch, and
0: she there's a sea creature who, when she's human, doesn't have her voice.
1: <laughs>
0: but that's a lot stupider.
1: <laughs> I mean, it is connected. It's like I mean, yeah, all of these these fairy tales and these mythologies all have this interconnectedness that is really cool, it and is. it's always fun to talk about this kind of thing because you see, suddenly you see these threads of like, despite these cultures being so separate from each other on the globe, there is this common thing that we all find as humans in these stories. And it's really cool.
0: I want to say a little bit, as far as I'm concerned, I think we're nearing the end mm-hmm. of this conversation. Yeah, I, so I wanted to just say a little bit about watching this movie. We live in a part of Canada called Newfoundland. Uh, newfoundland looks a lot like ireland mm-hmm. not only the geography there's a lot of uh the way the that music people talk, the culture the, the music yeah. the culture and so, watching this movie there's a lot of this movie that felt very very familiar to yeah. the part of the world that we live in with these rocks rocky cliff sides and the ocean that's dangerous and the people who live on the ocean but can't or don't swim Mm -hmm. because the ocean is dangerous
1: yeah and it's the kind of ocean like it's the north atlantic which is what we live on and the north atlantic is not a friendly ocean no it is a cold harsh you don't survive very long if you fall into an ocean because it's cold
0: and even Brandon Gleeson
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: was once in a movie as a Newfoundlander. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. Really uh, in that. The
0: Great Seduction. Yeah.
1: Grand Seduction. The Grand
0: Seduction. Okay. Uh, anyway, um, that's not a deep, serious... There's nothing serious about that. Just yeah. like one of the many reasons I enjoy this movie particularly... Yeah, it's familiar. it looks like the world we live in.
1: It does. It's really cool. In some ways. Yep.
0: Yeah. Well, that's about all... I mean, I think we could talk another four hours, but I think...
1: (laughs) I think that, yeah, that pretty much wraps it up for us today. Um, Where can people find us, Paul?
0: You can find us on Twitter, at WTScast. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this movie, or any movie, uh, kids' movies that we have not ever mentioned that you would like us to talk about. If you've seen this movie, we would just... Absolutely love to hear your thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. You can also email us at waytoseriouslycast at gmail.com. If you like this show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We would Greatly appreciated. it. helps other people find us, and it makes us feel really happy. Mm-hmm. If we see a review that says Paul and Jan are the best, then we will be <laughs> the happiest. It doesn't
1: have to say Paul and Jan are the best. It can just say Jan is the best. Oh. She's my favorite one. Something yeah, like that. Something like that. <laughs> um,
0: and if you really enjoy us, consider uh, supporting us on Patreon. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash clockworkscast. You can support us for as little as a dollar a month. That will help us be able to get better gear. It'll help us to make more podcasts and be better at it. And it'll also give you access to an awful lot of stuff. We actually, we wanted to, when we first got a Patreon, I was really worried about, you know, it has to be value added. You can't just ask people to support you and give them nothing in exchange (laughs) Uh, and now we have, as of this recording, twenty five extra Patreon only things.
1: Mm-hmm. So you get lots of bonus material for becoming a Patreon.
0: That means for that means little five minute extra episodes of uh, trivia about the episodes that you have way too seriously. That means a little feature of uh, what our current obsessions are. If you're a uh, higher level level patron, we do.
1: Uh, Bonus One shot bonus episodes One
0: shot bonus episodes where we talk all about A movie or book or TV show Or comic book or musical
1: Stop spoiling it for everyone If they want to find out about this stuff They can become patrons
0: You can become patrons That once again is ClockworksCast (laughs) Patreon.com
1: You said that entirely backwards That's okay We can just reverse that in post, right?
0: Right Something like that
1: Okay well, I think that's everything we gotta say for today. We Kinda of went on long, but that's all right. I hope we know you love listening to our voices. Of course. So, um yeah. Okay, uh, Irish on, Irish off, Irish you're, I think I think you're being a little self conscious about just not having Am an I? <laughs>